0: On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talk about Aaron Rodgers and the team he owns to the South. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. The
1: of and, picked off for Sue Douglas. and Douglas will take it all the way for a touchdown.
0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers Podcast. This is Ryan, joined, as always, by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Yo, yo, Woo! yo.
1: Just like we all expected, right? Victory Monday. Yeah, yeah well, it, that yeah. part, I guess we expected, but that first, first half, was like, whew, what's going on here?
2: Oh, I already forgot about
1: that. You already mm. forgot. I think most Packer fans have already forgotten about the first half, but we're here to talk about mm. the full 60 minutes.
0: Mm. Here's a question to start knowing let's say that this game was actually Chicago versus Minnesota or Chicago versus San Francisco. And the opponent does exactly what the Packers did where they tried their darndest for the entire first half to give the bears a win. And the bears still fall apart is Nagy fired now. Or is it because it's the Packers that front office, is like we can't do that after a rivalry game. well, I just found out on that broadcast, thanks Chris Collinsworth,
2: that no Bears head coach has been let go mid-season. Right. Um so okay, I don't think he's going to be let go. I mean who, who would want to be the one to be the first on that list?
1: So is that a Virginia McCaskey policy? Like is that a a 98-year-old's policy or That that just seems outdated because there's there's coaches you could there's available coaches right now there's coaches you could start courting it feels like you just need to move on. I mean, they they played a heck of a first half. They did everything right. The announcers were talking about it. They did everything right, and they were up six, and and that had to feel disconcerting. But then the Packers made the adjustments and all the quotes from the guys post game were like, hey, we had to feel it out. We had to see how the players came out and adjust to it. And we adjusted at halftime. And that was the second half. So I give credit to the Bears. They, they played a heck of a half. Uh, the Packers just adjusted and uh, I guess the Bears didn't. But it, it turned out well. I mean, as much as we tried to hand the game to them with all of our known flaws, uh, we still took care of it and covered the spread. I was wrong. We covered the spread.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so let's just peel this band-aid right off. Final score, 45-30. And within that first half, and honestly, the entire game, I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's the entire game. This was the worst special teams performance in the history of the Green Bay Packers, and I am positive about it. There is no way that we played worse on special teams in the history of the Green Bay Packers, whether it was Jakeem Grant's 97-yard punt return in which there was five Packers within the five-yard line going after them and still screw up. Whether it's the starting field position for the Bears, I believe in the first half, was their 38. And they had six drives in which they scored a touchdown or were past the Bears 40 to start a drive in the first half. Muffed uh, punts that thankfully uh, a penalty kind of helped us out there. An onside kick that MVS just slips right out of his hands. I I mean, I know that, you know, it seems like Matt LaFleur isn't going to be firing Drayden at this point. But how in the world can the Packers special teams be that atrocious and yet zero changes be made? You know, you texted about it, Ryan, in the
2: middle of the game, EQ Malik. Out of the out of the game. And you could see on our coverage, uh, you know, running down, trying to cover the kicks. It hurt drastically missing those two. especially
1: well, hold on. EQ that return was EQ was a gunner that 97 yard punt return. And Malik Taylor was the one that fielded the kickoff from the five yard line.
0: OK, but so, let, correct. EQ it was, was half on the time. left side, though. It was the halftime that they were both gone. So but but that punt return,
2: everybody <laughs> broke protocol. They all broke their lanes. They all followed the ball runner instead of doing what they were supposed to do. And this is just more of the same. Uh, we've, we've seen this from the Packers before, you know, bad coverage. But this was on another level, just giving someone the whole entire side of the field was it was atrocious.
1: So I'm a firm believer this is all coaching, and I'm interested to hear if you guys agree or disagree. But my opinion would be we've had multiple different players in these roles throughout the years of bad special teams. But we'll just focus on this year for the time being. We've had multiple players in these roles. Uh, they can't be any worse of athletes of the rest of the NFL. They're on an active roster. They're you know if they're a worse athlete, it's by the smallest non-measurable of a degree, you know, they should be able to just perform their duties. This has got to be on coaching. You've tried a bunch of different guys in these positions and you just can't get consistent special teams play. I understand the argument of your quarterback makes $40 million. So you can't go pay for like these career special teams guys that like the Patriots always seem to have that make two or $3 million a year. And they're just a great special teamer. But you you just got to figure it out. That there's no excuse for this. It it to me it's it's no longer the players. It's coaching. What
2: well, and if we have to play some starters on punt return just to make sure no, that they don't get don't a 97 return? We're so
1: I, hurt. You want to put starters on punt return now?
2: If it prevents a touchdown, that is literally the first punt return touchdown of the
1: NFL God.
0: year this year. Yeah.
1: Right. I, Break I'm a tie. Good. What do you want to see?
0: I mean, that's the I think it's it's definitely starts with coaching because it it's not I mean, this is going to sound brash. It's not rocket science, you know, it's hey, all right, where are we positioning this? Because part of the, the thing, too, was Mason Crosby jacking the ball out of bounds. Meanwhile, Malik Taylor, let it instead of letting it go out of bounds, he decides to field it like these are player mistakes. And yes, did it hurt? that malik and eq aren't available sure but that was second half that they weren't there i mean you're talking about simply our game plan is we're kicking it back corner right here's how we're playing this i mean it's it's i I just can't believe even the simplest thing of saying amari rogers straight up let it bounce off his chest and 10 seconds later you throw out amari rogers to go get it again like even the simplest decision making of saying hey savage uh you could even have um you know lazard oh, fair sandwich, catch it or savage, let it go can't catch savage can't just, catch. we do this. but like just <laughs> yeah but just anybody fair catch it or let it bounce especially after everything that happened where we had gained momentum gained momentum gained momentum completely dominating the game and then we let stupid things happen so i lean more on dan in terms of you just need a fresh breath of air in that special team section to be like scrap what you think you're doing right and wrong. This is what we need to focus on because there's nobody in the NFL that's going, Hey, here's our first and second
1: receivers. We're gonna put them on special teams. Like no. Yeah, it's yeah. all and, play. And we can't have devondre Campbell and Amos running down on kickoff. Te- uh, we or could or have Burns
2: cup. though. Put put Chris Chris Barnes out there, you know, I
1: wouldn't be shocked. I don't have the reps in front of me. I wouldn't be shocked if he had special teams. Kevin King was on the kickoff coverage. And
2: and you bring up a good point there. Even after he returned that punt, they continued to try to kick kickoffs short so they could return it and try to get them in between the 25 and the goal line instead of just kicking it out of the end zone. Like just
1: that and the kickoff out of bounds. I thought the quote like two months ago was we want every kick to be a touchback and then Mm -hmm. Mason's kicking it out of bounds. But, hey, speaking of Mason, let's end this uh sucky team section on a high note. He made all of his kicks. He did. Way yep. to go, man. So the field goal unit was seven for seven. Six were extra points, but it's okay. He made them all.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so let's talk about
0: this Packers defense, which, uh I mean – Two very, very, very bad plays by uh, Bird and Grant that went the distance, and it was sad to watch a lot of Packers bring back good memories of the heyday of Kevin King and watching players from the Packers' back of their jerseys sprinting behind somebody. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, they did a lot of great things right. And uh, Rasul Douglas, I just – I can't believe we keep bringing this dude up as almost – Not necessarily a joke, but, oh, man, isn't this funny? And he just keeps becoming maybe the greatest cornerback in the history of the world. Uh, But I know Dan wanted to touch on it. Devondre Campbell was absolutely amazing. Chris Barnes was coming in. Preston Smith just looks like his ass is on fire, and I absolutely love to see it. So let's talk about this defense for the most part containing Justin Fields, but having these little slip ups in the secondary.
1: Yeah, I feel like that boils down to some of this uh game plan issue. The the Bears came out with a couple uh, great play calls that they definitely, you know, scouted, did their film study and they they found some weakness in the defense based on the personnel we had out there and we are able to get a couple home runs early and we adjusted from there. So, Rasul Douglas, amazing. I mean, what what more can you say about this guy? He's he's definitely peaking, you know. His career is probably peaking right now and and Good for the Packers that they timed this perfectly, and he's, I'm sure he's more motivated than ever. Like middle of the week to do that extra film study now, right? He's like, I've got two pick sixes, I got something special brewing. I'm getting starting playing time when I used to be on a practice squad. Yeah, I'll watch another couple hours of film of the next opponent, so that, that can only bring good things in that corner room. And I still want to bring up Eric Stokes, although you didn't have to call his name much. I'm of the the uh, thought process that a corner should not have many tackles if they had a good game I don't want to see a corner with eight tackles that means they got targeted all day he finishes the day with two tackles you didn't really hear his name much even with Alan Robinson and Darnell Mooney out there um, the plays they were making were more on the Henry Blacks of the world to have those two guys again and the possibility of Jair coming back gets me so excited about that secondary but I'm going to Raised my hand since I since I went secondary first. Darnell Savage, I said, if you can pick one guy to step up for a Super Bowl run, who is it? And I went with Savage because I said, just convert those plays. You're always in position. Just convert those plays. And he was one of many guys that got to Justin Fields and couldn't convert. He couldn't bring him down. And I get some of these big boys. You got a mobile quarterback. But you got Darnell Savage blitzing. Like, break down and make the tackle, man. He flies right past him. Still looking for it how are you in position every time but can't make a play? Ah, it's frustrating, and it's the ultimate fan frustration because he he's good enough to get there, and that that's the first step. that's the most important step, but now we need to complete those big plays so there's room for growth in that secondary yet still, which excites me, but, but you got to love what you're seeing out of this defense
2: yeah, and what are they going to do with Rasul Douglas when Jair comes back? Is it Stokes and Jair on the outside or do you keep Douglas on that opposite side Jair and put
1: Stokes inside or do you put Jair inside? I mean, can Jair start fighting with a bump shoulder? Yeah. On the inside.
2: It'll be interesting to see what they do because Rasul Douglas is succeeding so well um, at that right corner spot, that number two corner spot. Like, do you really want to move him when he's reading the field? Well, he's reading the plays. Well, Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But what I was impressed with was how Chicago handled our interior defense line. Yes, they still wrecked havoc uh, by the end of the game. But for the most part, they handled Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and our interior linemen. And they pushed us to the outside. And that's why you saw Preston Smith coming off like a man out of hell, not to mention the rookie was out there uh, doing body blocks, looked awful. Um, but it it was, it was surprising to me how the bears had success in that. And you saw that actually help Justin Fields, uh, escape, um, come up the middle, escape outside because there's just so much outside pressure that he could just escape right up the middle. Um, so I'm interested to see how we handle that moving forward because, you know, people saw that and, you know, they saw Kenny Clark struggle a little bit. He's still owned in the run game, but the pass rush wasn't really there for him today.
1: Well, well well I, well, well.
0: I take that back because yeah, if you look, you. yeah, I mean, he had three QB hits. There was multiple times that he was the one pushing fields out. So, I, I mean, if you look at his
1: numbers comparative to the rest, later of in the here, game. He, yes, I'm talking about was, three
2: fourths of the game, though.
1: He had he had <laughs> five quarterback <laughs> rushes. Kiki and Preston had six <laughs> each. What yeah. I think, I think. Well, I'll, I'll let you finish your thought, right?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's. It was one of those things that it, the, the work effort was definitely spread out a little bit more. I agree. Lowry Lancaster weren't really noticeable by any means, but Preston showed up. Gary showed up. Clark showed up. And just there's so many times it didn't feel like we were necessarily putting a lot of pressure anyways. It's been the last two or three weeks. We've been okay sitting back. And so with that, uh, Kenny Clark going to have to beat two people. And the fact that he got in the backfield that much, I still think is a credit to him. Um, I, w- I wouldn't say that he had an off game. I think the Bears at moments did well, but I- it felt like a normal Kenny Clark game to me.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't the say numbers, it was an
2: off game. I just said they had his number, and oh, I'm interested right. to see how
1: they attack him. Totally disagree. Him Watch forward. it back. Watch it back. All right, I'll back this up with numbers. So uh, Schneidman's athletic article called out the pass rush. Uh, pressure Justin Fields on 54% of his dropbacks. Uh, Kiki and Preston both had six quarterback pressures. Kenny Clark had five. Dean Lowry had four, and Rayshon Gary had three. I think the issue was we didn't have anyone spying him. We didn't have anyone sitting in a zone in that middle part of the field, five, ten yards deep. So the pass rush was always angled out, like Josh says, so they allowed Justin Fields to sneak up the middle. But so many times I'm like, there's nobody there. There's nobody spying him. And multiple times you you had your middle linebacker in the zone, but they had their route that was ran by, you know, pick your wide receiver, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, Demir Bird, whoever it was, had sat, you know, like towards the hash marks or or towards the numbers, more towards the outside of the field. So maybe that's by design for the Bears. They allowed, like, we're not going to clutter the middle of the field if Justin Fields can run up the middle. So I think it was a schematic problem, not the pass rush. I think the pass rush was great. They were always getting to them. They just weren't bringing them down. Agree um. to
2: disagree, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: they
2: would have had more sacks if it was a good pass rush. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it. I mean, they pressured you them about on
1: 54 of dropbacks. <laughs> That's a good pass rush.
0: I'm just saying, should have been better. I uh, we talked about it before we went we went uh, recording. I mean. I am very, very interested to see what the Chicago team does with a little pizzazz within their offensive unit in which they say Justin Fields is our dude. Because there's moments that you can tell how good he could be and how bad of a position he has been put in (laughs) early in his Chicago career. And it's I mean, you look across the league. It is very, very tough for a, a rookie quarterback to step in and make a difference. They talked about how Lawrence was shut out for the first time in his life, which is always just like, holy moly. And really, the only major success point uh, in recent memory has been Mac Jones, and that's because they're kind of making him do the most simplest tasks of all time. But Justin Fields, the ability to have speedsters like Grant and Bird and Montgomery is a steady back. Mooney, I'm I'm surprised he only had one catch. I think that was absolutely outstanding, and I think the one catch was early in the first quarter where he just it was a complete run out and he was found open. Like it it was just awesome to see, and even more so, Alan Robinson, who always seems to show up against the Packers, two catches for 14 yards. I mean. It, it goes back to Stokes. It goes back to Rasul Douglas. It goes back to the secondary that's collapsing and covering and shading and doing all the right stuff. But I, I, man, I am I'm not looking forward to seeing what Chicago could do with Justin Fields in this offense, assuming that they can keep it together and kind of accelerate the O line play.
1: I mean, I, man, man, yeah, they need they need the next coach ASAP. Yeah, but we're a Packers so, podcast.
0: Yeah, and so we're <laughs> going to talk about the greatest coach in the history of football, Matt oh. LaFleur. They brought it up again. I, it, It's just this is getting borderline ridiculous now. He is one Packer win or one Viking loss from going three for three winning the North. If he can get three more games uh out of these last four, he'll have won 13 each and every season as head coach. And the man on a mission. We talked about one quarterback. Let's talk about the other. Aaron Rodgers, 29 for 37. MVP. MVP. We said it last time. Quinn on the second offensive play of the game does the belt, and from that moment on, Rodgers happened to go 341
1: yards with four touchdowns. Like I, I why are we doing this? Don't do the belt. (laughs) Does everyone need a team (laughs) meeting before playing the game? No, please do the belt. Keep (laughs) doing the belt. Man,
0: I feel like, <laughs> like even Gibson. Gibson did it like on the sixth play, and you're like, oh, okay, guys, now you doubled down. It's gonna be even worse for you. But let's talk about this offense that I mean forty-five points granted, seven of that was from Rasul, but this offense looked so 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 good
1: from the second quarter on. Yo, Aaron Rodgers. Every word you can say about this guy has been said, and I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers on the field. But the accuracy, just, oh, my God, Josh, give me one of your patented moans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what Aaron Rodgers was doing to everybody on Sunday night. Those, those, like, tier two drop passes over defensive linemen, over Artie Burns to Alan Lazard, where the ball can only be in one exact spot, and the exact spot is the exact width of the football, and he puts it exactly where it needs to be. And he does it off his back foot while jumping. His arm talent is insane. We take it for granted. We know how good he is. We don't have to spend that much time on this. But, man, he was peak Aaron Rodgers last night. So much fun to watch. Like, just wherever he goes in the off season, or if he comes back, just enjoy watching that talent. He's so good. It, See it, he, what
2: happens with one day of practice?
1: With one day of yeah. practice,
2: <laughs> I guess that was it. And it was a Friday. It was probably a walkthrough. <laughs> no, but you, you're right. He, he he's looking like he's on another level. Um, it, especially with the connection. I mean, even Mercedes Mercedes Lewis looked like his young self out there. I thought for a second he was about to hurdle somebody to get into the end zone at the. <laughs> at the Every end time there. he catches it, I'm like,
1: what's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? Yeah.
2: But I mean, when you when we have Mercedes Lewis and Josiah DeGara uh, adding up for you know almost a hundred yards of uh, passing uh, receiving, I mean, uh, you know he's he's looking at the whole entire field. You know, those aren't your first read on most of these plays; they're normally your last one. Um, so it, it was. It was a pleasure to see, and and like we said, who's going to come up bigger, EQ or Alan Lazard? Look at what Lazard did. He put together a hell of a game, only mm-hmm. dropping one pass. Um, and it, he, if he can continue doing this with some tight ends underneath, it's going to be dangerous like this. Who's going to stop Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers? It's it, it's near impossible.
1: Yo, credit to Jalen Johnson, though. Like that is now a matchup within the mm-hmm. division that you have to watch. He did do good. There was a, a one of these statistical guys on Twitter that I saw came out that Jalen Johnson lined up across from Devontae Adams on all 23 of his routes where he was aligned wide. And then after Adams aligned wide on six of the routes in the first quarter, they started bumping him into the slot. And that's where he picked up all of his stats. So he was like two for five against Jalen Johnson on targets. And of course, one was the touchdown where he made him look silly. But, uh, outside of that, like his average yards from separation on a catch against Jalen Johnson was one yard. Average yards of separation on a catch against everyone else was like three and a half, which mm-hmm. three and a half is just ridiculous. Is. But Jalen Johnson did a great job to the point that we were texting in the first half saying Devontae doesn't look right. He looks a little slow off the line. And, it, I have to take our statements back. I know they were just yep. in, in the group chat, but like, no, he looked fine in the second half. It was not him looking slow. It was Jalen Johnson playing a hell of a game against him.
2: And he was playing hell, uh, press coverage. Hella good. So, uh, yes, hats off. Good job, bud.
1: What What do you think of the uh, Deguara comparison to Tunyon that Chris no, Collinsworth made? No, no. <laughs> I no. said the same thing I to do. the no. TV. I'm like, whoa, back it up a step. He looks better. <laughs> hell, oh, he yeah. looks better.
2: He's getting open. He's he's making he's better taking blocks. Taking
1: advantage of the openings in the offense. Yeah, but Tunyon makes plays. Yeah, Daguara's just finding himself open. It feels like.
0: Yeah, and I think that was my biggest critique, especially early in the game. And I I sent a, a curse word written text at one point because it seemed like we were overdoing it. Like, we thought for some reason we need to to have these long developing plays against the Chicago Bears. And that's when these sacks happened of, of Rodgers. It was early in the game while they're just trying to make it develop for all the reasons we mentioned in terms of how well the secondary played. Uh, and then when they got it really, really just clean to the point, this is what we're doing, it was absolutely unbelievable. And Aaron Rodgers being 29 for 37, I want to say three of those were just him getting out of the pocket and he kind of does that flick thing where he's like, I don't feel like running anymore. I'm outside. I'm outside. Uh, get it to the line of scrimmage and let's just be done with it. So you take away those three kind of just complete throwaways. He was he was at 85 percent when he was trying to attempt a pass yesterday, which is it, it's just unbelievable how well this team can be. And you look at Lazard, Lewis, DeGuara, Jones. I mean, these are these secondary pieces that we need to accelerate this offense. And they caught everything but one. Like, that's nuts. And, yeah. and especially, we, it, I, I felt as though last week or last game and then this week, we're kind of easing Jones back into it.
1: Like, Harry, yeah, right, I was going to ask about that.
0: And the fact that he had five rushes still went for seven yards apiece. The fact that he had that touchdown catch, they used him on the outside, kind of making sure he got into space rather than running through a hole. I mean, this is setting up to be a situation that uh, Dylan, uh, do we have all the confidence in the world in him? Like, it's unbelievable. It's 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 unbelievable.
1: How, How concerned are we that Aaron Jones after a bye week is still getting mixed in this way? Five nope. rushes, three catches.
2: Freaking love it. I want yep. this the rest of the year. A.J. Dillon can take the beating. Let him take the beating and let Aaron Jones fly. That's yep. all I
1: want. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I just wanted to throw that question out there. So that, pat, that uh, touchdown pass to Aaron Jones, too, this is why I love doing the podcast 24 hours afterwards, is you get to see some of this analysis come out already. In week six against the Bears, They ran one of those like patented fake the handoff right, do a bootleg to the left, and you got the tight end doing a a drag route for Rodgers. And Jones carried out the fake on the backside and no Bears picked him up. So the play wasn't to him, no one was looking for him, but he was wide open. So the Mm -hmm. the guy on Twitter today comes out and he's like, Do you think they scouted this? And it's the exact same play to the opposite side of the field. You know, they run everyone right, and then they have Rodgers just look back to the left, and there's Jones sitting by himself. And the only reason that defensive lineman is there was he, sort of, he sort of got washed up in the block of the offensive lineman. Like, the offensive lineman did too good of a job, and they probably just should have let him go because <laughs> they let him get in the way. Like, if he wasn't there, that was Aaron Jones just scooting in for a touchdown perfectly. Uh, so just great. You know, coaching, go back to LaFleur being like a 80 percent win percentage in his first three years here. Uh, great analysis, great film study, great coaching. And Rodgers with that pinpoint accuracy, even when there was a little issue on the play call, he's like, nope, we still got this is the home run hitter. I'm going to make sure Aaron Jones gets the ball here.
2: Did you all see in the third quarter when we went for the field goal? Did you all see that LaFleur was looking to Rodgers?
1: To see yeah, he, if he wanted them. to go
2: for it. Yeah. I like that shit. I, I found like that
1: very interesting. Very insightful. He was – yeah, you could read it to LaFleur's lips like, what do you want to do? Okay, okay. And he turned around and sent out the field goal unit.
0: No, yes. they went for the uh, – they went. They tried to get the Bears to jump. And uh, so I, I, I love it. And before we even go any further, there needs to be some credit given to this rag tag offensive line who continues to somehow lose Round of applause. We averaged five yards a carry without Bach, Jenkins, Myers, or Turner. We are literally at 20% of who we would actually want out there on the line, and we are getting five yards a carry and giving up three sacks to – uh, Quinn who is a monster and really I mean there's some quality defensive rushers on the spare team and we we still perform I cannot believe this I had the same feeling as I did for the secondary that there's going to be a game uh I I hope it's pre-playoff there's going to be a game where it just isn't there like it, it we saw that um against the Vikings a couple weeks ago from the secondary I'm just hoping and praying that We can continue to kind of just make sure we get the job done. But I cannot say enough. Kelly, I believe that was his first first time really with the Packers in terms of playing time. Looks out like it was awesome. It's just awesome to know that these dudes are now in such a mindset that it does not matter what position on a line they play on an NFL team. They do their job. It's unbelievable. You I was Dennis, about
2: to say to you, you asked
1: for more Dennis Kelly, and you got it. You I got love him. Dennis Kelly. I love Man, him. And he's steady. I mean, he played. What was it? All 16 games for Tennessee last year.
2: Yeah, and he played great. He played great.
1: Like if you got that as a backup, do you start congratulating Gudakuns at that point? Like,
2: oh hey, a, oh, a oh solid oh, pickup. All
1: right. No Whoa, problem. we can't do that. <laughs> oh, because special teams sucks. I mean, we still <laughs> got to give credit here. <laughs> that you know, you could pick apart. A, We had 20 rush attempts from Dylan and Jones. I wish it was a little more. Without Akeem Hicks there, you wish he had a little more success even. Roquan Smith was all over the place. Multiple times there was no hat on Roquan Smith. And you're like, how are you leaving him unblocked? Like, leave anybody else unblocked but him. Uh, But at the end of the day, it was a successful performance from the offensive line. and, And that unit has to get judged as a unit every time. And, and they won the game. They kept Rodgers upright for the most part. You can't ask for more from what they're doing. It's just a damn shame that, like, I don't know if we have news on Billy Turner's injury yet, but it doesn't sound good. good. Uh, Jenkins out, you know, doesn't, not coming back. Myers working his way back, but not on any immediate timeline. And it sounds like Bakhtiari's practicing this week, so that would be awesome. But, uh, this line's not going to get all of our Pro Bowlers back. So we got to we got to make it work. And Dennis Kelly, you know, you start 16 games for any team. That's a good backup to have. I'll take it.
2: And Yash Nijman is the one that's surprising me the most, you know, stepping up to play left tackle for Aaron Rodgers. and, And he's been facing some decent pass rushers from that side. Yes, he gave up some sacks this week, but it's okay. Like he still plays solid a majority of the time. Um, and, and even how Rodgers is taking these sacks, he, he, he normally sees that the play's not going anywhere and just sort of sits down, uh, which I'm sort of liking because it, it seems like he's not getting hit as hard trying to force things that aren't there um, and, and obviously not throw interceptions. But uh, yeah, couldn't say it better, Ryan. This offensive
0: line, way to go, boys. And Dan mentioned it. Lafleur said that Bakhtiari should be back at practice this week. And I don't want to get my hopes up, but Jair has looked pretty damn good in practice, and he was telling people he was tapping his watch in pregame warmups. He was out on the field, obviously kind of more in the sweatpants side of things, but it seems like we're very, very close to getting Jair back. And I, I just we're we're it's a little nerve wracking that we haven't heard anything from Z. But man, I am just you've had your hopes up since like week four, week five. You're ready for them to be back. I'm ready. I just uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens uh, this week. As always, it's just let's head to Baltimore. Let's just let's just do business. Let's see how it goes. Uh, Ravens are planning on Lamar being their quarterback against the Packers, which if you saw how he went out, I oof uh, Apparently just a, a high ankle sprain and he, he's low, gonna stick low it out ankle. But...
1: Not a high ankle.
0: Oh, it doesn't which, have a high ankle. My bad, my bad. Diff-
1: yeah, low ankle sprain if they call it that. Yeah, but so that and the
0: mobility then, works, yeah.
1: Again, we're recording. Let's let's try to do this again because we failed on Thursday night. We're recording before Rams Cardinals. The Rams hmm. all of a sudden have all their superstars on the COVID list. <sighs> but we could really use a Ram victory here. Uh who's gonna win tonight? Cardinals. Yeah, I yeah, I'm agree. going Cardinals, too, and if we're all wrong again, it's going to be awesome. I'm
0: saying Rams. <laughs> uh, I, was, I did say Vikings. I stuck it out because I remember. Yeah, you were right. You didn't trust right. the Steelers, and guess what? The Steelers, when we're talking about first-half poo-poo's, the Steelers, oh, my <laughs> God, <laughs> dropping logs on the field versus the Vikings, oh my uh, goodness. And, and they almost pulled it off. Like, that's the craziest thing is the Vikings— <laughs> came back. And, they attempted everything in their their power to give it to the Steelers, and ah.
2: I just want to point out: I listened to Tampa Bay Sports Radio this morning, and they were talking about how how the Tampa Bay line, which which is mostly all healthy, uh, is comparable to the Green Bay offensive line. And I don't think any of the people that wow. were talking on the radio knew the injuries that were happening on. Mm the Packers offensive line. That's quite
1: the compliment.
2: Wow. It, exactly. I was blown away because none of them even talked about the injuries. They'd never talked about who was missing from the Packers offensive line. They were just giving props to the Packers offensive line. So yeah, it, it, it's incredible when you have national commentators not knowing injuries,
1: but should have uh, called in and been like, uh, yeah, man, Brian balaga has been so good at right tackle. <laughs> Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a perennial <laughs> pro bowler at this point in his career. Yeah, to make that comparison's real solid, May all would have been like, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I you know what I always said? I'd I'd love to see what it would look like if Brady came to Lambeau Field for like, let's say, an NFC championship game. That would be kind of a really interesting scenario. Could Jair Dang. get two picks? No idea what that would look like, but we'll see. Yeah,
1: you give Brady the ball with the game on the line, it's just guaranteed <laughs> what's gonna happen. Been watching it for twenty years. I was watching that game hoping they lost. Uh, we need home field. We need home yep. field. Go Rams.
0: Yeah, go Rams. Uh this will be yep it's just a rotational uh carousel of teams that we are now rooting very very strongly for uh and m- for the most part they've let us down this year so <laughs> we'll see if that trend somehow changes but until then thanks everybody J-Pat-Dick.